Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. Dan's guest this week is David Robinson, Associate Professor of Finance at the Fuqua School of Business. So, I'm here with David Robinson. David, you're, you're a professor of something. What, what is it? I'm a finance professor at finance, Fuqua. Finance professor at Fuqua. So, um, and, and apparently you like gambling. Well, I, I don't like ga- to gamble, but I like to study gambling. Okay, and I'm a and little why? afraid of gambling, personally. <laughs> so, so, why would a finance professor study gambling? Well, understanding how people behave in a gambling situation can hopefully give, shed a lot of light on um, how they might behave when they make savings decisions, when they make investment decisions, when they make, you know, lots of decisions in the world involve trading off risk and return. And, you know, how you behave at a, at a blackjack table might tell you something about how you behave in other settings. Okay. So you're saying that it's, it's a good metaphor for other things, other things in life. Yeah, I think especially um, especially the game of blackjack because um, y- you know a game like poker is really complicated. You have to have beliefs about what other people are ho- cards they're holding. You know, it's, it's a very complex game. But blackjack is a simple game, and because it's such a simple game, we can really highlight certain kinds of mistakes that people make when they make gambles. So all this looks to me like a justification to use your research funding to go to Vegas. Is this the case? <laughs> I, 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 I will say on record that I've never been to Las Vegas personally. Okay. So no, it's not that. You're wrong. <laughs> okay. So, so tell me, uh, so what, Blackjack is what, 21, right? Yeah, Blackjack is 21. The idea is you get two cards um, and the dealer has two cards. One of the dealer's cards is showing, one is hidden. You look at your cards. You try to, and what you want to have is you want to have as close to 21 as possible without going over. So you get your two cards. You see the dealer's card, which is facing up. You ask yourself, should I take another card or should I stand? If you stand, obviously, you're just going to take the two cards that you have and hope for the best. If you take another card, you know, you might you might go over 21, which is when you, you, know, you bust. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then you lose everything. And then you lose. Then okay. you, 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 it's, it's all <clears throat> Okay. So if you if you stand, it's a question of who is closer to 21, you or the dealer. You or, or the dealer. Or right. other players, if there are other players. The other players don't matter for you. Okay. You can win or lose regardless of what the other players do. Okay. And that's so one of the things that makes the game really nice in terms of studying how people behave. Okay. So it's you against the dealer. It's, it's very simple. It's, exactly. Okay. So if you're over, it's over. If you're over, it's over. And if you're below, then it's a question of who's closer to 21. You're the dealer. That's right. And the dealer's got some um, rules that he has to follow. He does, actually doesn't have any discretion in terms of how he plays. So somebody tells him how to play. He's got a, he's got a rule that he follows, and that rule is, is there's no, that rule's not hidden. That everybody at the table knows that the dealer will take a hit on any hand below 17, but he'll stand on a 17 Okay. Higher. Okay, so that's the dealer's rule, and I'm that's guessing it's kind of a good rule in general. That's um, that's just the, the the house rules at the uh, you know at the table we have. Okay, okay, very good. So that's the rule, and then what do you find people do? Do they make mistakes? Yeah, they make they make mistakes. The interesting thing is not that they make mistakes, but the mistakes um, they make mistakes in a particular way. So you know, in this in this blackjack game, you can make two kinds of mistakes. You can either, essentially, you can make a passive mistake, which is you don't take a card when you should, 
Uh-huh. Or you can make an active mistake. You can take a card when you shouldn't take a card. Or you can double, you know, do a variety of things that you might call aggressive mistakes. Okay. So the, the passive mistake is I got a four and a three. It's seven and I stay, say it's enough. Not taking anything yeah, else. Yeah, I'm not going to take a chance on busting. I'll just make, I'll just stand. That's a passive mistake. There's no way possible you're going to win that hand with a total of seven. Okay. And, and, and the aggressive and the mistake. The mistake is. I got I've the got queen a 10, and the J. Yeah, I've got a 10 and an eight. Um, I'm going to take a hit because I think that I can get 21 exactly. That's a, that is a very stupid thing to do. Okay. You're, you're going to, you know, probably going to lose. Okay. So we have those two mistakes. And what do you find? People do more of which one? Well, what do you think they did wrong? Well, now let's bear in mind these are people who self-selected into playing, uh, taking a risk. Right? These are not random people on the street. We're talking about these are people who went into a casino and to put gamble. Money to gamble. They're yeah. risk takers. Well, but but I still think we have so much literature on risk aversion that even those gamblers are probably going to show more risk aversion. Probably going to. So yeah. I think it's not really risk aversion. I think it's a, something a little—it's a little more subtle than that. But but I think you're on the right track. Basically, what happens is f- um, passive mistakes are four times more likely than than aggressive mistakes. A four. sin of omission yeah. is four times more likely than a sin of commission. Four times more likely. Four wow. times more likely. Interesting. And are there any particular individuals or any particular situation in which this mistake is more likely to occur? Well, no. So if you look, um, it get, it's if there's been an if there's been aggressive play at the table. So whether right or wrong, if so, if pe- if you, if people have taken hits, if people have split their hand, if people have doubled down, doubling down is when you put more money on the table. If you if there's been a, aggressive play before uh, in the in the last round at the table, that's when passive mistakes are more likely. And is this is this it's aggressive kind of like a rebound? Is aggressive mistake by that person or by anybody? I can't tell you whether it's that person or not because my data don't allow me to follow individuals <coughs> over time. I just look at the table over time. Okay, so, so if there was I something, qu- yeah. So it, it'd be great if I could say, you know, Dan was aggressive in the last round and now he's pulling back. I can't say that. I can say somebody at Dan's table was aggressive in the rat last round and now somebody at Dan's table now passive mistakes are more likely at Dan's table. Okay, and, and did it matter if that aggressive act was successful or not successful? So um not really. Uh, ba- basically what you want is basically I'm calling an aggressive act an aggressive mistake. Mhm. doubling down yeah or splitting. Uh-huh. So, and that's really just driven by my ability to identify aggressive behavior. In the okay, data. but if an aggressive behavior yielded something positive, somebody doubled down or split, and it was fantastic for them, do still people still after that become less aggressive? Um, yes, on average. On average, okay. On average. So, so this this basically means two separate things. The first one is people tend to be too hesitant. People are too hesitant. Too hesitant. And they become even more hesitant after they watch something happening that was aggressive. Correct, correct. It's, yeah. So this probably reminds them about the riskness I of this game. I think that's right. Or they feel like maybe uh, the table is going to revert back to a long-run mean. And if somebody was, you know, if, 
if we were, you know, if if, a, if there was aggressive play in the last round, then then we should kind of be passive now that the tide has turned, something like that. Okay, so so let's let's make the connection now to the stock market. So what what do you think are the lessons from this to the stock market? Do you think we can just say that the same thing happened that people are probably not aggressive enough? It's hard. It, it's hard to say about the stock market because with the stock market, there's a lot of things that are going on at the same time. But think about, for example, but, but you know, if it's, if it's think a about human making, think about making contributions to your 401k plan. Think about the savings decision that virtually every worker has to make. Yeah, it's widely documented uh, that people don't save enough. Yeah, um, they don't save enough. They know they don't save enough. You ask them, and they say, oh, "I should be saving more," but they don't. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of people who are thinking very hard about how do we fix this problem? How do we get workers to save more so they're better prepared for retirement? Is and your and your solution, of course, is blackjack. My solution is to get them to play blackjack. That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, no, 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 no. But I think that I think that what I'm seeing here at the blackjack table gives us some insights into what kinds of plans, what kinds of remedies will likely work, and which kind of remedies will likely not work. Okay, now I'm confused. So spell it out for me. Okay, so here's the thing: people don't save enough. Why don't they save enough? Well, some people say the reason they don't save enough is because 401k plans are complicated. They're hard to figure out. There's a lot of information you have to process. Mm -hmm. yep. You got to be smart. You got to you, you got to know the right thing to do. So that's really an information cost story. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That suggests that if we lowered the information cost, we'd solve the problem. That's right. Another line of thinking says that well, people are just um, there's just inertia. People just get stuck in making decisions, and uh, you know it, it's hard. It's hard to make. It's hard to act. Uh huh. That's so. So if if the pe if people don't save enough because people are kind of stuck in a rut of not saving enough. Yeah. The way you get them to save is not to lower the information costs. The way you get them to save more is you change the defaults so that when they so that their act of omission is an act that results in them saving. Okay, so you're basically saying people are not taking enough actions in, the, right. in the blackjack it, pay, it, table. If, maybe if, they don't take actions in other maybe things Maybe they as don't well. take enough. The blackjack data are telling us that people find it much easier to not act than to act. Okay, so there's a bias against acting. There's a bias against acting. So that says that regardless of the information cost, I mean, these are people, the results that I'm finding hold across bet sizes you know this it's true of people who are betting a lot of money but, but in when some sense in your case it's even more amazing because these people came to take these actions people, exactly exactly so think about people who don't like risk at all that we don't know maybe it's you know we don't know how these things interact maybe we need to start forcing people to play blackjack blackjack just to I, figure it out i think they should play blackjack in a studio where i can record their <laughs> behavior so that i can study it okay i think that would solve all the problems i think i think that's great now <clears throat> In the market, though, there are some people who are clearly overtrading. That are there's no yeah, th that's right. Um, so what what do you think? Those are those are just exceptional people, or they have a strange? Well, it's hard to say for sure. I mean, I think what we're you know, it, w I think at the crux of your question is is the issue of how does the omission bias that I'm documenting here, how does it interact with risk aversion? Uh, and, and we really don't know the answer to that. Now, it could be that in people who are extremely risk-loving, that, that this this effect is unwound. Yeah. Right. We just don't know. Like people talk about entrepreneurship. People think about people talk about how um, 
you know, only fools would start their own businesses because so many businesses fail. Yeah. Right? That's pointing to the act of commission. Uh-huh. That's right. Right? What we don't what this suggests is that maybe there should be maybe there maybe people don't There's start enough. enough businesses. Maybe not enough. Ma- you know, maybe the real mistake is in all the people who have the idea in their head who don't go and try it. Okay. So so since writing this uh, paper, yeah. um, have you changed anything about your behavior? Have you started doing anything more? I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's all we can ask for. Thank you very much. Sure. This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely, professor of behavioral economics at Duke University. Learn more at research.duke.edu.